Welcome to Nobody's Off Limits, where women are seen and heard. It's your girl, Lala E. And on this podcast, we discuss topics like dating, relationships, and day-to-day life issues. I have a very special guest, and I would like everybody to give a round of applause to this great director, Todd Venom. Give a clap, a round of applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He is the director of the play Shots in Mixed Bags, and I just... He's amazing. He's an amazing director. Well, thank you. So let's get into these questions. I was playing the, the role here with the sunglasses for, for Lala. <laughs> I can't really see enough in here. It's too dark in here. they got to pay the bills. You guys know shades are like my aesthetic, you know? So yep. how are you doing today? Uh, Good. I love this uh, cooler weather. It's a nice... I'm uh, loving it. Yeah. I walked outside and I was just like, this fall weather is giving fall. Because, you know, we're in Florida, you guys. You know, the, the, the bottom part of Florida where it's West Palm and Miami, we don't get cold. Right. <laughs> okay? So we get cold. We get a little bit of cold weather. We try to love on it because we don't get it that much. <laughs> and everybody up north is going cold. Yeah. My, 67 is not cold. My cousin's from Michigan, and she's like, oh, this is perfect weather for me. I'm like, girl, I am cold, mm-hmm. but she's used to, like, snow. Right. <laughs> so let's get into the question. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, yes. So what made you want to be a director? Well, before we get into that, I just want to say thank you, Lala, for inviting me yes, to be thank, here. Yes, thank you for coming. And you're very welcome. I, I, I Someday, I don't know if today's the right day for us to tell how we... We met. Yes, which is so ironic. Actually, we could talk about it. Let's okay. talk about how we met. Yes. So, there were law enforcement officers involved. There <laughs> were law enforcement <laughs> officers involved. We were at a party for a... Well, actually, we weren't at the party yet. Yeah, we weren't at the party right. yet. We were at a. We were at the dock, the loading dock, Thanks. because that's where the boat was coming. Right. And it was my daughter's, her friend's birthday party. Yeah. And so he was the person who was letting people in the gate. And... These people at the loading dock. The marina. The marina. And the water ferry. I can't, I'm not going to use the real thing, but the people who would ferry you from the yes. marina to the island that was once shaped like a peanut. Yes. If you guys I mean, legally, know what it is. now we can continue talking. If you guys know what it is, you know. <laughs> so the, the, the people were just losing it. It's like, oh, you can't. The dad was picking up everybody who was supposed to go to the child's party. So we were the last. Two. I think we were the last two. Or because the boat was full and we had a lot of gear yeah. with us and uh, we were the last two. So the man was just like, no, you can't pick them up there. Da, 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 da. Like we went, it was a whole mess, mm-hmm. you guys. It was and a then whole some mess. poor innocent guy came uh, motoring up and they thought that was mm-hmm. our friend and they they confiscated they, they they seized his boat temporarily yeah like what is going on i was like i've never even been in this type of like experience before yeah. so it was just so and, and, and i love your sense of humor because you just started at the appropriate time just started laughing at the ridiculousness of the situation because i'm literally like my family was like i'm the type of person when situations happen like that mm-hmm. i have to laugh because if i don't i'm gonna blow up Right. So I laugh it off because it's like, I can't believe this is really happening. And for me, it was like such a new experience because, first of all, I've never been on a boat before. Oh, really? No, this is my first time on a boat. Really? And I was extremely scared. So I'm already. You must have really been scared when my hat flew off. Yeah, I was having a heart attack. <laughs> I was having a heart attack, you guys. Mind you, we get on the boat. His, it, it was raining. 
It was raining. It was just a little bit of rain. Well, yes. and it rained more later. Yeah, it rained more later, but, but it uh, was it was kind of raining. But his hat flew off in the water, and we had to like go back and get it. And I was just scared, child. And I was hanging over. I lost everything in my top pocket. Oh my and, goodness! Uh, I didn't even know you lost it. <laughs> oh yeah. Luckily, it was just a couple of pens and nothing okay. very valuable. My, Thank you, Jesus. My phone. Where'd my phone go? Oh, my phone's in the charger. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, it's in the water. No. But it was a crazy experience. But I mean, afterwards, it was very nice. Mm-hmm. The kids enjoyed themselves. I never been to Peanut Island before, which I already said. Island, right. But I never been to there before. So it was like a great experience. They didn't bother us when we came back, but they were being complete asses when we went there. <laughs> so. <laughs> yep. so. So then we get over the island and we start chatting even further about now that the heat's off. Literally. Yeah, it's not a real calm. Uh, and we found out we had a few mutual friends, Jim York at the Connecticut School yes. of Broadcasting, or more correctly, the CSB, CSB Media Center. Is that the correct terminology? Yes. yes. And uh, then I found out you were a graduate of the mm-hmm. of the school, and right across the way is Legends Radio. I've done and a lot of work with them. it shows the world is so tiny. It sure is. It sure is. <laughs> the world is so tiny. Who would have thought I would have missed somebody who actually even knew who he was who right. Jim York was because a lot of I didn't think a lot of people knew what this school was. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that this school is literally get generated towards kids learning or adults, not kids, Absolutely. adults learning. Learners of all ages. Yes, learning about mm-hmm. broadcasting, learning about media. They podcasting. have um, podcasting, mm-hmm. anything that has to do with like media, they're going to help you. And they have their film program reinstated too. Yes, the, uh, yes. Now they have their film program. Yeah. They also have a um, graphic design And program. coding. Yeah, mm-hmm. some really cool stuff going on. So if you guys want to Check out my school. You guys are in some amazing school. They really care for you. And what I also love about this school, that when you graduate, they're going to make sure that you have a job. And it opens doors because you get to meet certain people that you probably could not meet if you didn't get your voice out and actually get the help from people here. Because I've met a lot of people that I didn't even know that I was probably going to meet. <laughs> well, one of the things, too, I mean, they say it in the ads, but it's, it's really true. When you turn on any media outlet... In South Florida, Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County, Southwest Florida, Tampa, up to Orlando, you're going to see people that came mm-hmm. to the Kinetic School of Broadcasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And like now I'm a teacher and I teach broadcasting. I didn't choose the television route, but mm-hmm. I love teaching broadcasting. That's why I do this podcast. The doors are open. Yeah. That's why I do this podcast. And like it's, it's just a great thing. But when we had the talk and I found out he was a director, and it was just like, okay, I got to have you on podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> have to, because it's people out here who really do want to be a director. I have a lot of kids who want to be a director. I have a lot of people that are friends of mine who want to be directors mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's nice to get information and just things that they don't know from someone who's been in the game for a very long time. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So just the experience. And it's like, I know I'm just ready to ask these questions because I'm ready for people right. to hear it. Okay. Let them rip. So what made you want to be a director? Well, I don't think I really wanted to be a director per se. You kind of evolve into that. And you've alluded a couple of times when you've said years of experience. And that's truly needed because you have to see what works and what doesn't work. And a lot of times you're not going to be the director when that's happening. Hopefully mm-hmm. you won't have too many failures. <laughs> um, but you have to sort of earn your pedigree. You've got to, and I, I started out as an actor. I actually then got into stand-up comedy. Uh, a guy saw me in a play down in West Palm a few years back, saw me and said, if you can do those monologues in that play, you can do 10 minutes of stand-up comedy easy. 
And he unfortunately was correct because I went to third place the first night out. And, That's uh, so cool. Then he had another show, another show, and then I started getting booked on that. And the acting thing fell aside. I toured nationally. I worked with all kinds of people. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy is a good friend. Dan Whitney. Um, you name it. George Wallace. Boy, and you want to talk about giving back. And this is what's really cool about what you're doing here. I was uh, at an open mic, and George Wallace was the headliner that week. And I came off the stage, and the manager grabbed me, and she said, George wants you to open the show this week. Wow. And and you, and you all the stories are about George Wallace being such a good guy. They're absolutely true. And that was a, it wasn't a huge break, but it was definitely a, a, a starting point. <laughs> yeah, and it definitely, you know, one of those stepping stones that you have yeah. to go through. And then after a while, I got back into acting and doing the stand-up comedy. I learned so much about timing audience interaction, especially live theater, there's nothing more immediate than stand-up comedy. Because wow. I say something and they're gonna get they're gonna laugh or they're gonna react. Yeah. So I'm right here and I'm right it's the closest thing to it. If you do a play, generally speaking, they wait till after the play to do the applause, but you're also gonna hear reactions throughout. And of course filmmaking, be it a commercial, a TV show, feature film, whatever it might be, that's the most deferred gratification because of distribution issues and who knows what. Uh, that project might sit for a long while before it actually comes out. Wow. So yeah. did you want to be an actor when you were growing up? Is that like something you went to school for or did you just know? I eventually went to school for it. When I was younger, I, I, I gravitated toward it. Um, luckily, I was in a school. And we Everything, you know, the art project built puppets for the, t for the thing we did for the puppet show. So we needed a script. So the English department would have people there working on the script. And it all kind of did that kind of thing. I played in the band. I played on the football team, which was another thing, too, with getting in. Look at my former pro football players there are in media today. Yeah. Who's the, who are the hosts of uh, CBS Sunday Morning? Or I CBS have Good absolutely Morning. no clue. Well, <laughs> former Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. Really? Yes. Wow. That's going to be your homework assignment. Okay. okay? <laughs> and a Good Morning America, former New York Giants defensive end. That's so cool. Okay. And those are just two of them. It goes back through history. Alex Karras was a Webster. Um, wow. Goldberg, the wrestler, was a pro football player. I'm not All actually making my kids do a project on this. Me too. Yeah, yeah. So Thank anyway, but any any kind of you find the audience, it, it it strengthens all of your other skills. And yeah, it's like for me, it's and I'm I'm 26. I took I started doing like acting and chorus and stuff mm -hmm. when I was in high school, but I didn't realize that I really had a passion for it until I started doing like YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I have a voice. Like people right. like to hear what I have to say. And what I'm saying is like actually really beneficial. And I'm opening doors for other people and other women for sure. Cause this is what my podcast is about. Even though we welcome mm -hmm. everybody at the foundation is women yep. and me realizing I had a voice. I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do. But it took me so many years for it to even happen or so many years for me to even understand that this is something that I want to do. So it's like great that you stuck to it and you stuck with your passion. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my kids should actually like think like that. And that's why I try to tell them now, like when you get into high school, pick your career and your path because mm -hmm. you never know where it could get you. But right. you have to start now. Mm -hmm. Don't wait years later. Like, like I did right. <laughs> years later. But I just double check the program. We have a cast of eight of which five are women. Oh, really? Our producer is a woman, Donna Carbone. She's also the executive director mm -hmm. of the Palm Beach Institute for the Entertainment Arts, which is where we're having the show. And um, I've always, you know, uh, that's one of those things, too. I, I've just never 
it's a lot of a big as a big deal. I, I'm also a, a flag football coach, and I have my girl power package. I got three three really fast girls, and I put them out there, and I make them. They're the featured uh, bunch. That's on so a couple cool of different because things. a yeah. lot of women I know that um, I did do a project before with mm -hmm. my students. A lot of women don't really get the recognition that they deserve no. in the acting world, mm -hmm. and it's just now. To, it took years of women working hard. Well, we just lost Suzanne Summers this week. Yeah. And she fought to get her pay. And there's no reason why she should ever have not been paid equally. Exactly. Because there were three stars in the show. It was Suzanne Summers, John Ritter, and Joyce DeWitt. Mm -hmm. And those three, it was truly an ensemble cast. Exactly. Like, the 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 energy with all three mm -hmm. of them was, like, phenomenal. Why is she not getting paid the same And long? she was the real, real foil. Exactly. And it's like, yep. we don't even know what we happening behind the scenes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> to be real. Yeah. Um, so next question, yes, what is your process in directing? Well, basically you have to start with the script. Mm -hmm. It's the words on the page. But that's only what the author has given us. If you take a look, in fact, I'll just get a, a piece of paper here out of, one of, out of this book. In fact, let me go to page 79 in this book, 100 Things to Do in Jupiter Before You Die, which features the Palm Beach Institute. And yes. If you look here on either of these pages, you can see there's the black. This is the, the author gave us the ink. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are the words and that's the script, if you will. But what about all the white areas all around? If you took all the black ink and squished it all down into a little square down in the corner here, how much of the page do you think the ink on this paper would cover? That's a good question, you know? Half? Half, maybe. Not even, I don't think. Probably like this much. <laughs> okay, so let's just go with a third. Yeah, a third. Okay, all right. So if the author gives you one third of what you're going to present on stage, you've got two thirds of stuff that the actors, the crew, the director, the, cons the uh, costume director, the set designer, they all have to bring. So it's a totally, it's a very huge collaborative process. Wow. And the director has coordinated all that. The director's like, well, the quarterback of a football team or the CEO of the of the uh, corporation. And sometimes you got to jiggle jaggly and make sure you don't step on people's toes. And sometimes you have to make decisions that are a little tougher, but you have to be firm with it. And <coughs> my first rehearsal, a couple of people said, I'm really nervous. And I said, why? Well, I saw the last show you did. And I don't know if I could do that good. I said, please don't ever say that you're going to be that good. And having been an actor, I'm very empathetic towards what the actors need. That's great. So that, that literally leads into my next question. How do you work with actors to create the best performances on stage? You keep the communication open. Yes. It's as simple as that. I have been, unfortunately, working as an actor with some directors who would say, you're going to do it like this. <laughs> Whoa. Really? And how's that going to get me as to be a good performer? Exactly. It's kind of strange. Yeah, it's very strange. And, uh, I, I've, I've never ever, uh, you have to nurture the, the project and not just the actors, but the project. And more than once I've had somebody say, I said, I'd like you to do this and turn this way and go over here. And they say, well, what about if I do it this way? And I said, well, let's see what happens. And they go ahead, they do it. And I said, okay, how did you feel with that? Well, I felt I was over there, like you said, that I can be more forceful because of the thing, because I'm. I'm further away from it. I'm saying I don't like it. So your physicality, your body language mm. has to also be a, an element. So they'd be over there. I said, so I'll, how about I go over there? And I said, yes, 
<laughs> like I asked you to. <laughs> so they're kind of saying they agree with me. But then we work it so there's some elements of what they've said and the way they've done it too, because ultimately it's the actor's performance mm -hmm. and the actress's performance, of course. Um, and it has to have an element of them, because if it isn't unique to that performer, all the performers are going to be exactly the same. And so do you ever that. have some actors that you just, they just can't get it? No, no. You just have to work with, work with them a little bit differently. Okay. You know, it's, it's speaking language. In fact, to that end, uh, I had a young lady and she was a musician and she'd been coming to an improv workshop I was teaching mm -hmm. and it was an exercise we we're doing. She goes, I just can't get this. And finally the bell went off in my head and I had just seen her playing at a club uh, a couple weeks prior. And I said to her, Try playing it in a minor key. And she went, oh, wow. Wow. That works. Wow. And I had, I had to find the language to communicate my thoughts mm -hmm. so that she could understand. Which I feel like a lot of directors have a hard time because I see a lot of actors and a lot of people that go on these shows and they go on strikes. Because of the directors or because of like the production team, mostly it's it's normally like the directors and stuff. But the production, although I've team, heard of a few things about certain actors that yeah. say I'm going to do it this way. Yes, you know? and it's like it's both ways. I mm -hmm. feel like, but a lot of directors they are so nasty, and I feel like being a director, you should have a sweetheart because you are teaching these people what they should be doing and especially a lot of times new. it is that there are teaching moments in these things mm -hmm. yeah um and i have a background in that too i as we talked earlier I, I taught safety for a long time and mm -hmm. uh um i i taught the military in kuwait safety really? driving yeah and defensive driving and uh, escape driving oh my yeah. gosh yeah a little that's bit not of stuff talk going about on. what's going on right, right now well thank goodness on. yeah uh amen yeah all, amen all, all thought about that later yeah please <laughs> please i'm not for either side, but mm -hmm. what's happened over there is yeah. horrific. Let's just put our hands yes. over the whole situation. Right. Both. I feel like everybody needs to just come together, mm -hmm. you know? But and that's one of the things that's really cool about this. This mm -hmm. takes a horrific situation, but it analyzes the entire situation, if you will. Um, it's structured a lot differently than a lot of other plays, and it, uh, it leaves you wanting to clear your head, I think. Uh, and I love that because mm -hmm. a lot of people need that. And I think, right. and this is another reason why I wanted you on my podcast, like, that's not to go back into race, but people think that people who are different colors cannot coexist in the same place. Me and this man is two different colors. He talked to me like, we talked to each other like we knew each other for years. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's just all about the person, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. So we just keep our hands over the whole situation. I don't want to dig too deep into it, but we're going to get to the next question. How do you handle difficult situations on set? Um, well, again, communication. You know, and it's, 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 you know, everybody back off. Because I know you on? got some little divas. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I don't, I don't think I have any divas on, in this cast. Thank goodness, um, you know. And that's one of the things about the Palm Beach Institute for the Entertainment Arts is the classes are taught... Well, first of all, the, the, the company was founded by Burt Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Originally, it was the Burt Reynolds Institute for Film and Theater. And when he passed away, that had changed. So, uh, but a lot of the instructors 
were handpicked by Mr. Reynolds to mm. teach classes. Avery Summers, who is uh, a massive Broadway star and uh, one of the true voices of an angel, she she's taught classes there. Um, Dudley Remus, who was uh, the executive director at Mr. Reynolds Dinner Theater, he taught with us for a long while. Uh, Donna Carbone worked with him for some time as well. Oh, wow. um, and I had the I had the blessing to be able to work with him on uh, his last five pictures. Wow. Yeah. And he picked me to teach the improv classes Thursday night before his master class. We mm -hmm. have class on Friday night to kind of gear them up and stuff like that. And because of that direct lineage, too, you can take that all the way back. Mr. Reynolds studied with some amazing, amazing people in New York in the 50s. A lot of people don't know he was on Broadway in the 50s as well. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Right. And uh, he really appreciated uh, one particular teacher, Wynn Hammond. And he had broken off with some of the other guys. And he said, I'm not going to teach acting. I'm going to teach behavior. Hmm. So if you have a character-based situation where the character's behavior is what you're presenting, mm -hmm. rather than trying to act like that character might act, I am reading a book now. <laughs> see, I'm, that's bad acting. Yeah. You can see the acting. But if I pick it up and go, uh, oh, here we go. Yeah. That's yeah. behavior, not acting, yeah. and it's a it's a huge difference. And again, it goes back to good behavior on set, bad behavior on set. Um, that also goes back to uh, sort of having a good sixth sense with people and just communicating ahead of time what you want people to do. So, what was your first play ever directed? Hmm. Um, wow, I've. You, you did mention that I've been in this business a long time. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, one of the first things that I did with Mr. Reynolds was we did a night of three one-act plays. Oh, cool. And uh, they were all by a playwright named Christopher Durang. Mm -hmm. And it was an outgrowth of Mr. Reynolds' master acting class. And I directed a play. And another Sherman Roberts directed one. And so did Peter Marzilli. So we had these three different things that all kind of interconnected in theme but uh, and they're all half hour, and they it was just so much fun. And uh, um, the play I directed was a parody of Tennessee Williams, and oh. uh, it was a little bit of the Glass Menagerie, a little bit of Monty Python, I would have to say, and a little bit of just plain craziness. Maybe South Park, but that's not right. <laughs> um, you know, the gentleman caller came, and the dad was there, and, and it was just, oh, in fact, the, the guy playing Big Daddy dropped out. Wow. Two days before the show. Oh, two days? Two days before our first show. How did you guys even get somebody to cover? Well, here goes back to the director having to know the part. Oh, wow. I knew the play, so I had I had to step in. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so, so why did he drop out? Do you know the reason? Uh, I think it was a health-related issue. Oh, okay. I don't recall exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, so. That's a lot. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. And yeah, we did a lot of really great things up there at the Old Boy Reynolds Museum. That is amazing. Yep. Yeah. And, and we're still carrying that on now. It's the same organization, essentially. We're in North Palm Beach now. It's a much smaller studio theater, but some really cutting-edge things happening there. And so would you say directing is different from how it was back then to now? Is it, like, different or is it still the same concept or, like, just the way things are done? Well, it's probably essentially the same, mm -hmm. but you have different technology available. For instance, instead of having to have an orchestra do you know, sound effects or sound cues or things like that goes in tight. Um, <laughs> uh, you have uh, multimedia, you know? Yeah. Right. 
So there's different like lighting tricks phenomenal. and things like that too. But it all still comes down. And I, I like a little bit more of a bare bones type thing. We have four lights on the stage that, that shift from one character to the other and they kind of spill over. But uh, it's, it's a very effective uh, uh, show design is what we're gonna have to call it. In fact, the thir first one third of shots, it happens at a coffee shop. And it's essentially the morning, the coffee shop is opening and this uh, coffee shop near a college uh, and hospital, teaching hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, the barista comes in and he cleans up and he has a few things he's saying, grumbling while he's doing it. And then a couple of college kids show up and then a married couple that actually went there when they were in college and they're all talking about different things. And then a nurse comes over, who's just finished her double shift. And when her friends arrives and they're all talking about different things and then all of a sudden, wow, lights go out and shots ring off. Oh my goodness! Okay. Yeah. So we're and gonna... then the final two thirds is all about the character study and that's their crazy. sort of. Uh, this play sounds good. That's what, that's what I want to get into next. It is year. a heavy drama, and that's this what makes play... too. Comedy and drama are so different. Very much. But some people are saying because I'm kind of more known for the, mm. the lighter side of things, but uh, it's the same. It's about the timing. The timings adjust a little bit different, but it's the power of the silence that makes a joke work. It's also the power of the science that makes a dramatic piece work as well. Absolutely. I'm a heartbreaker, but I got you next to me. All them lonely nights, still I 